0: I'm Gab. He's Rubbo. Jules is in Paris. Where else? That's where he was born and bred, they tell me. Uh, blue skies over West London. Rubbo, thanks for coming in. Because Always a pleasure, Gab. So much wonderful cup action. We have the League Cup semifinal. We'll be getting into that and commentating on both games. We've got the Coppa Italia. Guess what? Jose Mourinho did not get sent off, as far as I can tell. But he's not happy um, now, is he? But, oh, he is unhappy. He is unhappy. out. We're going to get into all this. Sancho has a home as well. But we got to start. In the home of football. In Saudi Arabia. Um, The Spanish Super Cup. First semifinal. It was a Madrid derby. These two teams are going to face each other three times between now and February 4th, counting the Copa del Rey. And La Liga Atletico were the last team to have beaten Real Madrid in La Liga. I think it was 20 games Mm -hmm. ago. Um, But they didn't. Real Madrid won 5-3 at the end of an epic game. And to help us break it down, here's Alex Kirkland. Alex, epic. Is that... Is that fair? It certainly felt that way on television.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Whatever people think about the the format of this competition, the venue for this competition, this game was just terrifically entertaining. I mean, it had pretty much everything. It had some pretty shambolic defending from from both teams. It had goalkeeping blunders. It had one or two very, very good goals as, as well. And Real Madrid coming out on top in, in extra time to go through to the final and, and maybe we'll get a Clasico final, which, remember, is what this... This whole competition is engineered to produce. That's what the federation wants. That's what the Saudi wants as well. They want Real Madrid, Barca in the final. They've got Real Madrid in the in the final here, and let's
0: see if if Barca can join them. Yeah, Barca play Osasuna uh, in a couple hours as we record this on a Thursday morning. Uh, Alex, I I try to look when, when games like these come on. I, I try to look sort of for overarching themes and that we then talk about on the show, right and. Right, stuff that's familiar, Griezmann's capable of moments of absolute magic, which he, which he showed. Um, Atleti 2.0 have serious issues defensively, um, especially whoever's impersonating Stefan Savage at the back. Um, Real Madrid do not get flustered. Um, these are all things that we kind of knew and that we saw in the game um, and as evidenced by Real Madrid getting that late-late equalizer to make it 3-3 and send the game into into extra time what I was not expecting I had no idea Ferland Mendy was capable of such subtlety (laughs) or was that just sheer dumb luck I mean you saw you Robert you saw it you played football when you see Ferland Mendy do that
2: is that luck no that's that's, it's a good bit of skill it it was the right decision to make as well because the ball was rolled with a bit of pace into him so he didn't need to he didn't need to put all the pace on it and he just let it come off the outside of his boot into the corner it was a good run as well he timed his run perfectly the pass from Carbohal was good uh, yeah, that's not bit of luck. That's a good bit of skill. We we
0: mentioned Carvajal there. I, I think, for me, he was, for many, I suppose, he was man of the match. I don't even know if they have a, a proper Saudi uh, award for that. Yes. He and, did it. he win it? He got it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. How is he monstering everybody all of a sudden?
1: He's in the form of his life, isn't he? It's, it, it's He's been fantastic this this season. He's had problems for a long time with injuries, and it looks like, I mean he's just come back from another injury but generally really this season he's put those injury problems behind him he's talked about changes to his diet in terms of how he looks after himself off the field as as sort of improving his physical condition but yeah I think he's in the, the best form of his, his career and you look at his contribution to this game scored a brilliant goal was involved in at least two of the other goals I I think um yeah he's been he's been a very important and underrated element of Real Madrid's season I think because of course players like like, like Bellingham and Rodrigo and and Vinicius Gale all the hype and Rudiger at the back has been the outstanding defender for Real Madrid this season but Dani Carvajal is, is right out there I mean some of these qualities he's always had he's always been an amazing competitor really aggressive a little bit dirty willing to get stuck in the kind of player that you need in a in, in, a, in a team like this he's a leader of course he's one of the captains he's a, he's a Real Madrid youth product um, but he's also got a lot of ability and he's got a lot of quality and he's got pretty good technique and maybe those elements of his game haven't necessarily been appreciated so much over the years and like I say He's also spent too much time injured over the last few seasons. But yeah, he's been very, very good this season. And, and as
2: we say, he was the man of the match without question last night. But the system suits him th- th- because he's almost playing as a right winger at times. Every switch of play, not so much uh, last night, but when Tony Kroos is playing, Tony Kroos's pass is always that big diagonal out to, to Carval. And it means Valverde is tucking in in the third midfield role. Uh, they don't play with a wide player on the right hand side. Rodrigo and, and Vinicius Junior are playing sort of inside right and inside left positions. So the attacking player down the right hand side is Cabal. So now we are seeing his attacking qualities.
0: All right, let's think, let's take a little further in this. Um, if we were to break it down and give you know pretend it's figure skating and basically award award this on points, I think Real Madrid were the more mm-hmm. deserving side. Yep, uh, on points I thought All Black think you know, Black and Kepa, I thought Kepa made at least one really good save. Al Black made several. And then it felt as if like their paths kind of diverged as the game went on where Kepa obviously responsible for the third goal. But um, Alex, A, do you agree with my assessment that Real Madrid were deserving winners, even though the game could have obviously gone either way? Um, and B, Kepa's doing himself no favors, right? Yeah, I think Real Madrid, especially as the game went on, especially
1: as we got to extra time, I think we we're clearly were, were the better team. We saw it with the changes, the hand shot he was able to make as well, bringing on play- players like uh, like Rosalou, uh, getting some fresh legs out there. I think you can see that Madrid's squad is better than Atletico's and, and I think that's why Real Madrid really dominated extra time and that was when they went on and, and won it, of, of course. Before that, over the 90 minutes, yeah, it was pretty much even. But I think after extra time, you look back at it as a whole and I think Madrid certainly deserve the win. Um, Kepa's a funny one and Carlo Ancelotti's kind of um, discourse on this has changed over the last few months. When Kepa was first injured before Christmas and Andre Lunin came in, Ancelotti said, no, when Kepper's back from injury, Kepa will be back in goal. That's gone away. That's not the case anymore. Ever since then, ever since Lunin came in and did really well, and I think looked a better goalkeeper than Kepa, Ancelotti hasn't said that. Now he says, look, I'm choosing game by game. He wouldn't say again, even after the game last night, who would be his goalkeeper for the for the final my feeling is that I think that he's chosen Lunin as his goalkeeper in La Liga, and I think in the Champions League as well. And I think he's giving Kepper these games in the Copa del Rey in January and in the Super Cup. I think Kepper essentially has become the cup keeper because Lunin's played better. Lunin's more convincing. Kepa, yeah, he makes your good save, as you as you say, but it just feels like a familiar image. What we saw in this game, we saw it from Kepper earlier in the season. Him, you know, the ball in the back of the net. Kepa protesting a foul that you know that he's somehow been kind of impeded or. Or, or pushed or, or something when he just hasn't been strong enough. But that aspect of his game has always been an issue, and it was an issue again here. And I just think ancelottis I think he's made his mind up. I mean, he won't come out and say that because he, he doesn't want to destroy Kepa's confidence in case he, he needs him. But like I say, my feeling is that—is that Kepa starts games like this, but in the really crunch games in La Liga, in the Champions League, unless things change drastically, I think Lunin's some out.
0: Well, you say really crunch games, what would a hypothetical Classico in the Super Cup final be? Would that be a really crunch game? It's still the Super Cup. It's, it's Super still
1: Cup. the least important trophy. I mean, it's a trophy, but it's the least important trophy of the, of the season. I, it feels kind of more important than it used to when it was glorified pre-season friendly because of where it comes in the season. Because it's mid-season, it feels like sort of the serious business starts now, right? But it's still the Super Cup. Uh, it, it's still the, the least important trophy of the of the season. So even if it's a classical, I think.
2: Kepa or Lunin for you? Lunin. Uh, I don't rate Kepper at all. Uh I want a goalkeeper that's gonna be dominant when crosses come into the box. I want a goalkeeper, and Alex just said it, who doesn't mode every time the ball goes in the back and net, claiming there's been a foul against him. I just don't think he's strong enough. And he's lost confidence over his time at Chelsea and over his time at Real Madrid. He's just not not quite the keeper that everybody expected him to be.
0: I want to pull you up just slightly on him I'm gonna just my contrarian self, Alex, don't take it uh, personally. It. You talked about uh, depth of the two squads. Now obviously Real Madrid have a higher wage bill and have better players. But when you think of depth, I kind of I've been taught to sort of think of the drop off between the the starters and the people who replace them. Like that's my definition of depth, not who has the better guys off the bench. And I look at this and I actually think Atleti are are a pretty deep squad. When when you look at when you look at who came on, it says, I think it's maybe it's also because Simeone likes to rotate and change things around, mm-hmm. like we saw I think few of us had would have had Saul as a as a starter. I certainly wasn't expecting that. But you know, he was in terms of the bench, he was able to 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 bring on uh Angel Correa, uh Vitso, who normally starts, um you know, Molina were it's not like Molina's markedly worse than than their starting fullback. So when I put these things together, um I wonder, does he really have more depth? Because Real Madrid, yeah, they brought on Old Kroos and, and, and Camavinga, but they also brought on Old José Lu, Brian Diaz, who nobody people seem to treat like a bit of excrement stuck to their shoe in the summer when when he returned. Dani Ceballos even more so, and Arda Goulair, who I know we're all ecstatic about, but still just 18 years old, and I think this is only mm. his second-ever game for Real Madrid.
1: Look, I, I think you've been a bit hard. I think old Tony Cross is still Tony Cross. To me, he's still one of the best midfielders around. And when he came on, I think he's one of the best players on the on the pitch last night. Kamavinga, what a, what a, what a substitute to have it while Kamavinga, especially in the later stages of of games, with the energy that he that he brings. Hazard, who's who's a very effective goal threat, as he saw as he showed with his involvement in the um in the fourth goal, even if it wasn't um, given to him in, in the end. Brahim Diaz, who yeah is sort of has come in and become arguably one of Real Madrid's most important players in the last few weeks with the goals he's scoring, the contributions he's making. A lot of people here and partly it's because he's Spanish and there's always that bias here in favour of Spanish players are saying that he should be starting every week. So I don't know, I think you've been a little bit, I, I think you've underrated a little bit there Real Madrid's Spanish players and yes, you have a strong spot. Yes, they do. But I think Real Madrid's, I think the quality of those players that we've just talked about from Real Madrid bringing you on, I, I think is a step up.
2: Yeah, I would say... I sort of agree with, with you, Gab. I mean, those players that came on, if they came on for Simeone, would they be as good as they are for Angelotti? I think that's where the difference lies between the two sides at the moment. One's got a manager that knows exactly what he's trying to do and they play the same system every week. The other one is caught in between the devil and the, the deep blue sea. And I'm not convinced by Atleti. There was only about three or four weeks ago when we went to Barcelona uh, and Atleti were going to win the league according to two or three of the pundits because they were in good, decent form. And then we saw a a limp performance against Barcelona with João Felix uh, coming to the fore against his old team. And since then, I'm just not convinced by them. I'm not convinced by the coach either. Yeah, so that's a a very good transition there, Alex.
0: Help me understand, because obviously they they are the only team to have beaten Real Madrid uh, this season in La Liga. Three headed goals, as I recall. Mm -hmm. Um, But equally, why is it not working for El Cholo? Is it as simple as saying, look, you've chosen to be more attacking and people are still understanding this? Um, is it that there's been a big drop off in the individual quality at the back? Is that something Rinaldo can mm-hmm. can fix if he's fit again? Um, and I'm a big fan of his. Uh, or or is, is there something else? Because he seems to be anchoring continuously. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not
1: sure I understand quite how drastic it's been these last few weeks when you look at the volume of goals conceded. You look at the fact they conceded three goals against Etafe, four goals against Girona, five goals here against Real Madrid. These are sort of unprecedented numbers, really, for Diego Simeone teams. And I don't, I'm don't, i not sure I can identify one factor. Yes, individual form is is part of it. You mentioned Savic and how poor he's been. You look at someone like Jimenez, who wasn't great last night. Either um, Oblak, who has been a very good goalkeeper for Atletico Madrid, but... Um, I, I don't know. Again, I didn't think he was great last night. Um, you heard Antoine Griezmann after the game talking about this and talking about being a collective issue, not being about just the defenders, being about the way the team defends as a whole. Um, but Simeone, and Simeone himself, Simeone was trying to take the of uh, the pressure off the players when he was asked about this in his post-match interview. Simeone said, "What well, is the coach? It's the coach who, who is at fault? Is the coach who needs to find the uh, the answers? But he hasn't found those." his answers yet because they keep conceding all these all these goals and it like i say it's so it's so un um i
0: want to speak of defending obviously this is my this is my pet issue but i want to get you because i i I can't ask jules about this anymore because otherwise he gets angry because i keep repeating myself so just going to throw it out to you guys (laughs) it's militao out david alaba out Potentially suspension Pro, Antonio Rudiger mm-hmm. and Nacho, who turns 34, I think, uh, next month or, or maybe even next week. Um, he's like, Oh, those will be my two center backs. Okay, one of them, what if one of them is missing, Carlos? Like, well, uh, we can play Chouameni there, who I don't think has ever played there before this season, not as an emergency center back. And obviously, Chouameni, while he's really, really good, if he's playing center back, he can't also be your defensive midfielder, which means then you have to play Carvajal there, yeah. which means Kamavinga then can't be your left back at the same time, yeah. right? So it just seems like you're playing musical chairs. Or he came up with this: oh, I'll be playing Dani Carvajal at, at center back, right? Which again, yeah, he's a defender, but we had Robo earlier telling us about how good he was going forward and what he can contribute. And again, Carvajal, wonderful player. If Carvajal's playing centre-back, though, he can't also play right-back. Which means what? Lucas Vasquez, Valverde mm-hmm. right-back? I, I I kind of feel that people should be talking more about this. And what I see is completely nonsensical. Why I think Ancelotti, maybe his nose was getting a little bit longer when he was saying that. Uh, and that the club will bring somebody in. But am I, am,
2: am I, 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 I want to get you, you, your view first, Robo. Uh, about this. Yeah, the, the problem with bringing somebody else in, you've still got some exceptional players who are injured at the moment and might be in for quite a while. If you bring somebody in, what sort of player are you going to bring in? Rafael Varane on loan. So you took so that's what you're talking about bringing somebody or, in on loan. Just, I need somebody just short go. term. Yeah, 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 I don't need to spend. Term. you don't need you to spend a hundred million on the centre back I, I fully understand that that you could get somebody a on, body, a, a body, somebody, a good player. Can't just be anything. Yeah. He's got to be a good player that you get on loan that can fill in when somebody gets suspended or somebody gets in, exactly, and he comes in and you keep the same shape, so you can keep Carvajal at right back, you can keep Mendy or Kamavinga at left back, whoever you want. You don't bring Chouhamani back into a centre half position. So I fully understand that. Alone is the right thing for Real Madrid to get at the moment, centre-half.
0: Not Leo Bonucci,
2: though. Not Bonucci. He's off the market now. Uh,
0: Alex, tell me if I'm wrong. Are are, are people freaking out about this or are they just like, ah, look, we're undefeated in 20?
1: (laughs) I think the key thing here
0: is that I don't think it's just Carlo Ancelotti's decision. No, it's definitely not his decision. Believe me. Believe me. I can assure you, I can't go into it too much. It's definitely not his decision. But and then and help me so understand he the says, club's view because there's a lot of money at yeah. stake here.
1: I mean, Ancelotti said before Christmas when Alaba got injured, um, he said, "Look, we'll talk to the club to see what we can do." That was him saying well, we need to go and do something. And the answer that came back from the club was no. Um, so the club really thinks that they can muddle through with with Rudiger and Nacho. I mean, you say that Rudiger's suspension prone. I mean, Nacho's had what two two red cards this this season and two suspensions himself. So um, he, he again just came back from one. So he's you know he's not exactly always reliable either. Um, i agree that this the idea that danny carver help and in at center back is sort of baffling because he hasn't really really ever ever done it um mendy okay maybe truman he looks okay when he's there and yes maybe he's got alternatives in midfield but it's yeah i i, I understand the i understand the, the question i guess the club thinks that like uh, robo says he need a player of the requisite quality i guess the club think that that player that player isn't available and uh, Militao, let's see let's see if Militao is back in March, I guess, would be the earliest you'd really look at Minota being back. But if he's back by March, you've got him for the last couple of months of the season.
0: But he had an ACL, right? Yeah. So even when you come no, back with an ACL, you're yeah. not, you know, you, you you don't hit the ground running straight away. Like it's 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 yeah. it's but a big
2: what, eye. what competition would you expect uh, where they would need a center another center half if if somebody got injured? La Liga, I think they can probably still win it without uh, too much cover. There's another team that has
0: the exact same points as they do. Yeah. If we're all just gonna take for granted that Girona are gonna disappear
2: in a puff of smoke, fine. No, no, but I think that would be But I don't think I don't I still think that Real Madrid will be good enough to win a lot of their games. Sure. So maybe Girona as well. It's gonna be the other competitions, in but, particular the Champions League. How many players wouldn't be cup tied for the Champions League? Well, I, to, to are, get somebody on loan. I,
0: I, I think there I think there are ways around it, um, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I want to ask you: Is this guy Carrillo who? All right, I only, i will confess, I only saw the highlights of the game against Argentina, the Real Madrid B defender. Mm-hmm. I know he's played a lot of, played a lot of games for for Raúl at, at Castilla. I have no idea if you can even judge him based on those ninety minutes. Could he be somebody who, who steps up like La Quinta del Buitre did back in the nineteen eighties? <laughs> That's setting the bar
1: quite high, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah. In, in an emergency, sure, but I mean, he's not there yet. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a player they like. He's a player they've liked in the academy for for a while, and like you say, he's got a lot of experience with uh, with Castilla. But he's not he's not ready to come in and play for the first team every week. And so again, that would be I think that Ancelotti would prefer the likes of an out of position Tuam or maybe even an out of position uh, Furla
0: Mendy or Carvajal rather than Carrillo, Is my feeling Ferlamendi, Mendy, who also according to Jules, has tracked Ferlamendi Mendy since birth. Uh, has never played centre back mm. in his life, even though.
2: I... I think I was involved in the argument when you were having it with the uh, jewels on the. Well, we're, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just said I. I don't get this, and I take your point about cup tied players. Yeah.
0: Uh, look, I know Varane hasn't been pulling up trees. I think mm. it's very obvious he has an issue with the coach at yep. Manchester United. But goodness me, if you can get him for six months, pay a chunk of his wages, you make Ten Hag happy, mm. and you bring somebody in and. Even if he don't doesn't play in the Champions League, like so what? Yeah. He gives you takes pressure off you in the league. Yeah. Nacho and, and Rudiger can, can can take turns resting. He knows the club. He knows Ancelotti. I mean, I, I don't know. I know. Uh, that's just my view. Um, we mentioned Tony Crows there, uh it was very evident that he was being booed because of things he'd said about Saudi. Now a lot of people have said a lot of things about Saudi Arabia and their human rights records. I'm going to go out on a limb since I know a little bit about how the media works. since I've made my living this way for 30 years is that some of the things he said were picked up by the local media in Saudi Arabia and, or or whether it was social media or whatever. And they were presented all over the place. And people took this very, very personally. I, did anybody address this Alex uh, from, from what you've seen? I mean, it's, is this an issue? Does anybody care in Spain? Like is, um, it, is cross that...
1: being whistled? Um, it, it felt, first of all, people were like, "Well, hang on." What I, I, I was watching on on TV here in Madrid, and the, I heard you could hear the TV commentators in real time picking up on the whistles and trying to work out why cross was being whistled. And first they were like, "Is it because he's German?" Um, and then the penny drops, and it is, it is because. I mean, he, there's two things in particular from Cross. One was when um, Gabri Vega left, um, highly rated, probably saw breakout star in La Liga last season, left Celta Vigo last summer, moved to Saudi. And his career uh,
0: has really Trump. taken off since then.
1: Yeah. We it's, talk it's about him every week. Yeah, yeah. Great decision. Um, at least for his bank balance. Um, but Cross um, commented on, I think it was on Instagram, embarrassing on a on a post right. about that move. So, you know, you, you can't really be more forthright than that. There was also an interview that Cross talked about... Um, yeah, you know, say to the obvious that these players are going to Saudi Arabia for, for money, and say, he he said it was bad for, for football. Um, Cross is very forthright. He talks about stuff in a way that most players don't. You know, he's got his own podcast, uh, which sadly I don't listen to because I don't speak German, but I hear it's very entertaining. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. I I was surprised at the the way that he was singled out here and and just how obvious it it, it was. Like, like you say, this may be something about these comments that ha- I guess had been picked up and reflected in in saudi arabia but um this i mean they they were last august so it was it was a few months ago and it was obviously still on people's people's minds i don't know
0: or more broadly about the super cup just just about the format obviously um italy of late loves to copy everything that spain do um other than you know having something reasonable like the um uh like the salary cap yeah. that they haven't paid, um, so obviously we we have it in Seattle too. We'll be going over next weekend. This four game format, I think it's actually more exciting than the one off games. Um, did, you, did you agree with it, Alex? Yeah, I think we have to separate out a couple of different things.
1: I think the final four format is great and it works. It feels bigger. It feels more exciting. I think playing it at this stage of the season rather than preseason works as well i think we maybe separate that, that those things from where it's being hosted and question marks about about saudi arabia and the other issue that has people really wound up here in spain is the way that the prize money is allocated for the teams that take part because Real madrid and barcelona by the fact that they are madrid and barcelona they take home a lot more significantly more prize money than the other teams do i think it's something like they each get six million euros for taking part Atletico get 3 million Osasuna poor Osasuna get under a million euros simply because of who they are and that on its face just seems to me to be fundamentally unfair
0: so it's not based on
1: your standing in the league so if Girona No you it's to- based on them being them it's because the other the competition you know, the the hosts want Madrid and Barca to 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 be there it's literally Wait. because it's them in fact this came up for example with um with, with Luis Rubiales when he was still in charge of the Spanish Football Federation because Rubiales was getting he was getting a bonus and he was getting paid more if Madrid and barca qualified for the super cup than if they didn't and of course that raised that raised conflict of interest but now and he had to change that so yeah there 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 are other questions there uh
0: is this the the Jared pk um, um negotiate Pique this deal
1: it to to saudi yeah
2: yeah okay yeah. yeah just checking just checking yeah yeah um but the competition uh i well, i did it last season i'm doing the game barcelona Osasuna tonight um you know, I, I was expecting it to be a half-hearted tournament, but it wasn't last no, year. It, it was it was a tremendous... Uh, we did all three games. It was tremendous three games. Uh, the, the, you can tell the players and the, and the clubs wanted to win it. Barcelona celebrated it as if it was any other tournament uh, when they won it last year. And it, I'm sure Real Madrid or Barcelona or Osasuna would do the same this year. It, it feels a
0: lot bigger when yeah. you have this Final Four format. Absolutely. It, it, it really does. And And I think... Cup games in general feel bigger. I mean, he was looking again at the Copa Italia this week, which was always like kind of an annoyance to Claudius, but like, I guess, huge audiences. It's on free yep. TV. Stadiums are packed. People seem to really, really like it, despite what some presidents think. Um, you know, people still like to watch football. S-
2: supporters t- love to watch cup in- football on television. They like to hey, go to games. It's a one off uh, oh. game. It's, it's brilliant. Um,
0: Alex final point um on this and the the relationship with saudi arabia because i i've heard people say this is a great advert for um for spanish football and and, and it was i mean it, it really was at the same time it was an advert that people in a lot of countries especially in europe didn't see because the the rights to this are held by the spanish federation not by the Spanish league, so it's not part of that package. So, in a number of countries, including United Kingdom where we're based, including Italy, and, and I, I, I had the list—I
2: forget the other ones—but a lot of major countries, this game was simply not on television. Nobody bought it. The reason being because at the moment, in other in other countries, the Super uh, Super cover or the or the like, the Community Shield doesn't mean anything. It will do if you keep seeing games like this and tournaments but, like this.
0: But I am wondering. I, Tebas is very internationalist in his outlook with La Liga and whatever. Um, has he pointed this out or have, have people talked about this, about how here's a great game involving great players, as a showpiece of our league, but people don't get to see it?
1: I think the federation taking the Supercopa abroad was less about um, being an advert for Spanish football and more about maximizing the income for the, to the Spanish football federation, uh, which, which is fine. Um, it's understandable from their point of view that they make lots and lots, yeah, millions and millions and millions more from hosting the Super in Saudi Arabia than they did when it was a two-legged, um, home and away, um, glorified preseason friendly. So it, it was all about the income, rather than, as you say, more of a kind of a long-term view in terms of expanding, I guess, the the, the brand and the growth of the competition and getting eyeballs on the competition. I don't think they've necessarily thought that that far ahead. Yeah, like you like guys say, the best the best advert is. I game like last night because it was it was terrific.
0: And if I were really cynical, I might even suggest that people who have a real interest in getting eyeballs to La Liga, that would end up benefit benefiting La Liga and Javier Tebas. And this is obviously a property that doesn't belong to La Liga. It belongs to the Federation and Rubiales and whatever Muppet replaced him. So maybe they're a little bit at odds. Maybe they get judged more by keeping the clubs happy, by sending all this money to Real Madrid and Barcelona. Alex, thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Kevin. All right, enough Super Cup. Let's go to the League Cup here in England. First semi final on Tuesday. Uh, Middlesbrough from the Championship yep. against Chelsea, and I want to get you on it, Robbo, because Burrow emerges one 0 victors. Um, Jules and I have very specific thoughts about Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea were anywhere near, and I've been very critical of the way Chelsea have played this season. I don't think were anywhere near as bad as people remember them or people think they're anywhere near as bad as they've been in other games, including games that they've won. And there haven't been many. I thought in this game, if Cole Palmer puts his chances away, Burrow have to open up and then that's it. It was to me it was more the idea that, oh, we haven't scored, Burrow are defending well, and then things get more and more
2: chaotic. I think the maybe yeah, been too kind to You've been too kind, I think. Okay. Because the, the chances that came Cole's way were almost given to them by Middlesbrough. A couple of poor passes, House and tried to play across to the fullback and Palmer intercepted it and should have scored. There was another one that they lost possession, trying to play out from the back Middlesbrough and it came to, to to Palmer. But what I can't understand with Chelsea, I don't understand what their philosophy is, what they're trying to do. The lack of tempo in their game, how they're going to break down opposition, have they got a game plan to break down the opposition, it just seems to be a little bit um, tepid, a little bit, you know, there's times when Thiago Silva, so I'm, I'm thinking, watching the game as a commentator, as a, as, a, as a former coach, thinking, you've got to play with more tempo, get the ball forward quicker, get it into the front air. and there's Thiago Silva saying to everybody, calm down, let's keep the ball round the back, I'm not sure... What the philosophy is for. Maybe if you'd played until 39, you'd have been going like this a lot. When Pochettino came to Southampton, when he first came to Southampton, everybody could see, oh, look at that style of football. This is what he wants from from the team. He then got the Tottenham job and did exactly the same there and made a big impact very early on. I don't see that impact at the moment with Chelsea. I think
0: together with Ancelotti, Pochettino, and maybe there's something in it because they both have a very vague physical roundedness, right? I don't think there's another manager who has changed so much mm. from his early days. Yep. Now, I, obviously, they they, they they can still do the high-press, high-tempo mm. game, but this Pochettino is nothing like the guy who was at Southampton. Exactly. But is that by design? But presumably, he says, like, okay, we won't play at this higher pace because we want to play around you. Yep. We want to. I mean, presumably, that's the plan.
2: It is, but. If you, if you were playing against any side, you still have to do it with pace. And there's times when you, you work the ball, you pass the ball to create an overload or, uh, uh, somewhere on the field, or you get somebody that's got a bit of time on the ball. They do that, get somebody with time on the ball, and then instead of making the most of that time on the ball, they then come back and play out from what they've just achieved. And that's what I don't understand. As a coach, you would be saying you, to the player, now you've got yourself turned, you've got yourself in an open position, now be more positive. So Chelsea had about a
0: zillion players unavailable for this game mm-hmm. as it feels like they've had most of the season. And I, what gets me a bit about this is I look at all these guys who are missing, and yes, if you'd have a fit in Kunku all season, presumably go straight to the side. Yeah. Um, Broja and Mudrik were actually the only two senior players they they had on the bench. The rest were kids. Yep. Sanchez is out, but I think, frankly, it's much of a muchness between mm-hmm. him and, 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 and Petrov, Petrovic, right? Yep. Rhys James is obviously missing and if he were fit all season which he hasn't been for a long time then presumably he'd be an automatic choice. I couldn't think of anybody else who I would say oh yes oh they really missed him. Mm. We're talking about really missing somebody who's generally injured for a very long time and somebody who's hardly played for the club. Uh, That to me is the real worry here. Yeah.
2: Because the guys who are out there are essentially most of those guys are your starters. Yeah. And you look at players that Everybody was talking about when he was at Brighton Caicedo. You saw him as a high energy player that could do both sides of the game, was dynamic. I'm seeing a player that's very average at the moment. He's not playing badly, he's, he's very average. Enzo Fernandez, a World Cup winner, who, when he was playing for Benfica, could make forward runs, would defend well, pass it well. Again, he's, he's doing okay. Is, he's, is not, there he's not doing anything thing? exceptional.
0: Is there leadership in the team? Should, should the players be urging each other to, to do better? Uh, because I also wonder, if you know there's nobody competing for your job because everybody's mm. injured, do you sometimes say, all right, let me pace myself a little bit?
2: Does that actually happen at professional level? Uh, it, it can do, but I don't think that's the case. I, I just don't think they realise the urgency of situations. You know, uh, I did the game also when they played Preston. The first half against Preston was pathetic, almost. You know, If, if you were a Chelsea fan, you would say, what are we trying to achieve here? We've got 80% possession. But we're creating one or two chances in, in, or or getting one or two shots away in the whole of the first half. It all changed when they scored the first goal in the second half. But I just there was a lack of urgency. So they could, they've got ninety minutes to turn it around. Hmm.
0: If you were a betting man, you still expect them to, yeah. If they could, yeah. You know, I, I, I discovered that that's where Michael Carrick was. Yeah. I think they had a
2: lot of guys missing as well. Yeah. And it looked like they said, "All right, anything get out of this game is gravy." And I've got, to, I've got to say, the difference in athleticism between Chelsea's players and Middlesbrough's players was ginormous. And I don't think they'd be able to cope uh, with, the, with that intensity in the second game.
0: All right, enough cup stuff. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gabs. Liverpool have to huff and puff before coming from behind to beat Fulham 2-1 in the first leg of the other League Cup semi-final. Robbo, shades of the Arsenal game where they kind of throw up a stinker and then come alive in the second half?
2: Yeah, first half, uh, they had lots of possession, but didn't play particularly well, didn't create too many opens. There was too much... Sterile possession. Sterile possession. Uh, Too much passing, not enough penetration. Uh, and Fulham had a chance maybe to go 2-0 up and after that when they scored their first goal then you got the Liverpool Roar the Enfield Roar they played much better but it's going to be a tight second game I would say. Curtis Jones I think right now arguably Liverpool's best player are the ones where they're well. available. He's been excellent this season. Milan are out of the Coppa Italia beaten 2-1 at home by Atalanta but Gab they're not happy about the penalty converted by Coupe Miners. Yeah the uh,
0: RoboCoup as uh, he's known to his friend I mean took the lead 1-0 um, great goal from Rafael Leal. Just, just just a tremendous sweeping move between him and and Theo. Um, but then Coop Miners pulls one back almost straight away, and then they get this penalty where it's Alex Jimenez on Miranchuk. If you get a chance to see this, it's a classic case where the defender puts his leg across and then meet and argue. I think with some legitimacy, the striker just runs into him. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, they do have VAR, uh, unlike the League Cup semi-finals. I think they have reason to be feel a little bit aggrieved. Oh, and Gasperini, the lovable Gasparini getting sent off in this game. You from don't the... like as Gasparini, you do. do you? No, I really don't No, like you it. don't.
2: I've realised that after a while.
0: This was way back on Monday, but Manchester United beat Wigan 2-0. So, they advance in the FA
2: Cup. Robbo, signs of life? To a certain degree I mean, it's better It's better They won the game uh, I wouldn't say comfortably But they had lots of possession Wigan played very much As you would expect uh, On the back foot And defended Tried to counteract Had a chance early on But apart from that It was a fairly easy game For Manchester United And one that I don't think Tells you anything about Where they are right now now. It was a Rome derby In the other Copper Italia game On Wednesday night And Lazio had the upper hand 1-0 Gab I'm guessing Mourinho Wasn't too happy was he yeah, so this game was very old school. It
0: was so first half was horrendous to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, second half, I thought came alive much better, especially after after Lazio got their penalty, which Roma complained. It's one of those penalties where, again, if you haven't seen it, where a player is going to kick the ball and the opponent just gets, puts his foot in the way, didn't he? Puts his foot in the yeah. way. Mourinho says that this is a modern penalty. This is this mm-hmm. never used to be called.
2: First of all, is Mourinho right? I don't remember this being called very often. I think it, if if it wasn't if there wasn't VAR, it wouldn't be called because it, yeah. it looked as though two players are going for the ball at the same time, and the referee would have been very hard pressed to say who got the ball and who got the, the player.
0: Um, but obviously, after that, I mean, Roma Roma didn't think to be playing too much and they didn't really have a chance on goal until like the very end with with Benotti, and then after that, there was a weird overhead kick from Lukaku. But mm. but but we're talking like sort of minute ninety, right? Um, I think of probably deserved it on, on the balance of play. But I, I agree with you. I think Mourinho has a point about that penalty. Mm-hmm. In the end, obviously, because it's a Rome derby, turned into a zoo when three players were sent off. Of um, yeah. I, as you do, including the Roma captain, Mancini. Back to United. Jaden Sancho is reportedly having his medical today. Jules and I have weighed in on this extensively. How do you see it, Robo? How quickly can you, especially, how quickly can you come back after not playing competitive football, being fit? but not playing competitive football for, what, three,
2: four months? Uh, I think you can do it. It depends how much he has worked with the reserve side or the under-21s, whoever he's training with. He won't be fit if he's just trained with them. If he's gone and done other work away from it, and I, I can talk from experience because I was out for a year and a half. Yep, and you were injured. I was injured, but I still I, I, I had a long period where I was getting myself fit, and I turned up to, to West Ham and said, I'm fit to play. And they played me in the game, and I played really well. Uh, because I knew I'd done all the right work. If Jaden Sancho has just gone, a, gone through the motions, that's a, that's a problem. If he's worked extra hard away from the club, then he'd be ready to play straight away, I would say. I wonder where he fits in, because they have a lot of wingers and attacking midfielders. They certainly do. Uh, Radu Dragozin is on his way to Spurs in a deal worth $30 million, I presume that is, or is it £30 million? Pounds? It's euros, it's euros. euros. Should I say. Is he really the Iranian uh, Van Dyke? Well let's see he's a tall central defender with a man
0: bun, so surely he must oh. be um like he's he's a physical defender i think he can he's he's decent on the ball i don't personally i don't think he's better than romero and and van de veen based on what i've seen so far but he has he has a high ceiling i think he can yeah. continue to improve uh i think playing for genoa and playing for spurs and postecoglou spurs it's going to require a pretty, a really big ad- adjustment yep. and he's going to have to do that on the fly. Is he athletic enough? <sighs> we'll find out. Uh, he's certainly strong enough. Yeah. Nasser al says Paris Saint-Germain are the right club for Kylian Mbappe and he wants him to stay. Are they the right club for Mbappe in the career development?
2: I would say not. Uh, and I would say Mbappe feels not that he keeps on wanting to go to el- elsewhere <laughs> every, every transfer window or, or talking about going somewhere every transfer window. The ideal move, I think, was it has to be to Real Madrid at some point, because that would be, as long as Angelotti's still the manager, because I know you love Angelotti, but Angelotti seems to get the best out of top-class players. So I would think the best move would be to, to move away from, uh, from uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Gab, who is Mahmouk Joueli? Is that, have I pronounced him right? I don't, my Georgian isn't great. A- and why are we talking about him? So he is featured
0: at agent who's opened up a little bit of uh, uh, he's opened up a major can of worms at, at Napoli. Kvarskelia, of course, coming from Dina Batumi, generally unknown. does fantastic. So he's still on his tiny, tiny contract. He does deserve a new one, even though he signed up long term. Um, and so they are negotiating, but Napoli have all the leverage here. But then his agent came out and he said, and a quote, Osiman got a lot of money, but I'll tell you now, he's going to go to Saudi Arabia next year. Um, to which your replied, you piece of feces, except he didn't say feces, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're an idiot, don't you ever mention my name. Timo Werner de Spurs also done an official now. Is he a good fit? Oh, don't make that
2: phase. Remember good Timo before yeah. he came to the Premier League? Three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, where I expect him to do... Wonderful things at Chelsea because he had pace, he scored goals, he looked as though he's a clever mover off the ball. But we didn't see that at Chelsea. I think he's lost his confidence. He's not been so good when he's gone back to to Bundesliga. I think he'd be a squad player for Spurs more than anything else. Uh, As a loan, it's okay. I wouldn't buy him uh, outright as a permanent
0: move. I I think he was poor at Chelsea and way overpaid at Chelsea. Um, But I think a lot of his mistakes were finishing errors. Mm. I think Ange knows that, that he may or may not regain that. But he does. He can do so much for you in terms of energy, in terms of work yep. off the ball. Maybe
2: he'll turn into some Gabriel Jesus. Type. And you like Ange as well, don't you? You think he's a great manager. And Cab maybe a team over there. Let's hope he does. £14.5 million pounds to make yeah. the move permanent for WordCamp. So not a bad does. deal. Cab, the African Cup of Nations kicks off this weekend. Who have you got to win it?
0: Um, so. All right. So I'm obviously going to be partial to Nigeria and Victor mm-hmm. of Seaman and the Super Eagles. I have, a, I have a lot of love for them. They do find a way to screw it up. I suspect the Bookies think so too, because they're only um six favorites. Um, Morocco are people's favorites. I'm guessing owing to the World Cup. Yeah. I, I don't know that you would have them necessarily ahead of, of, of Ivory Coast, who I think have a really, really strong team. Um, or indeed Senegal, who are the defending uh, uh champions. But
2: money. just about got, yeah, what about Egypt? Isn't it?
0: Egypt you figure always in the mix um, and it's not just Salah anymore I, I think Marmouche is having mm-hmm. a tremendous yep. season and, and I think he can he can really help so I would wager it's going to be one of those six narrowed it down for you no I want to see them because you know we can only look at players and like oh we recognize names from guys who or, or, or players we see weekend we have in the top leagues but then I don't I'm going to I probably shouldn't say this but I, was, I don't watch CAF World Cup qualifying I I I understandably I watch so. A lot of European stuff, yeah.
2: and I watch, can't watch South American I don't watch everything.
0: When you actually see how these teams play with with a coach week in week out, not week in week out, but like you know every yeah. international break, you get a much better sense. So rather than steer you down a garden path, that's what I'm going to tell you. Yes. <laughs> Thomas Partey is reportedly back in training at Arsenal.
2: Is he the guy to give them the lift of the title in the second half of the season? Uh, I like Thomas Partey. Uh, is he going to make that much difference? I don't think that's the area that where Arsenal have got problems. I think uh, Rice is obviously come in and done a, a very good job. They've obviously tried to play with two more attacking players. It's Odegaard on one side of him and sometimes Havertz on the other side. Uh, maybe they want a bit more energy in that midfield uh, to play alongside Rice and play Odegaard further up the field. I think he's a better side when he's in, he's in it, so uh, it could improve right. him. But I don't think they're going to win the title just on that uh. No, I, I'll tell you why. I, I, I'm not a big party guy, but I do think
0: he can he can help your... I, I'm like you. You watch a lot of Arsenal. You can tell me if I'm wrong. Here. His original vision of Rice in front of the back four, and then that sort of line of mm-hmm. four with with Havertz and Odegaard. Yep. I don't think it's quite working. Mm-hmm. Works against certain teams, not others. I think it also hurts Odegaard because yep. he has to. You know, he gets relegated more to Saka's side. Yeah. Um, the problem is, and, and then on top of that, I think against certain teams, if you press, I don't think Price, Rice, he's a phenomenal footballer, mm. but I don't think he's as press resistant as you would like him to be no. in certain games, and he doesn't have necessarily the creativity as a deep line playmaker. He does yeah. so many other things for you. So I've actually liked them a lot when when they did play the way they did against Liverpool, when he, he had Jorginho with him, yeah, yep. or when they just have Jorginho in front of the back four and Rice plays further up alongside yep. Udegaard. Maybe then have have Havertz at centre forward or on the
2: bench or wherever you want him. So you think that Partey could play in that holding role? Yeah, the should rise further forward. Exactly. Or because because the issue is, I, Jorginho
0: can't play every game for no. you, and Jorginho will have deficiencies in certain games. Yeah. Partey can't pass like Jorginho, but I think he's he can more defend suited. better than Jorginho. Sorry, he can defend better than Jorginho. He can defend better, and I think he's more more suited to getting the ball in the situations yeah. on the half turn or whatever. Than Rice's. Plus, I want Rice to be able to come forward and shoot on goal. I think he's devastating doing that, which... He's an all-round midfield player. Exactly. So I'd rather have somebody with Rice Mm. than just tell Rice. You know, Rice in that role at West Ham where he was like a third centre-back in Mm. front of the back four. That's fine. But this is Arsenal, and they play a different way.
2: Yeah. That's just my take. Uh, Radakrunic leaves Milan for Fenerbahce. Gab, he was supposedly indispensable uh, earlier on in the well, it season. It looked
0: that way. It looked that way, right? When Benacer was out, and, and Benacer obviously at the Cup of Nations. On. Um, I guess they're raising money. They've signed Terraciano, who's very good, but is only twenty and he's played a lot of fullback too. I guess they figure that they can get by with the other players they have, right? Um, I think Bobega. It's had a tough time, but I think he can take some of the minutes. Benessire mm-hmm. obviously will take them when, when, when he comes back, and you can go through. I don't like to see Rinders in that role. I think it,
2: you lose yeah. a lot of runners. almost should be on the left-hand side of a midfield exactly. central three. You know, Rinders in Loftus-Cheek, for yeah. example. Yeah. In, Making in those teams. runs through inside left and inside exactly. right position.
0: Um, but I guess they want to raise some money, um, and, and Terraciano is younger, and I think he can also contribute. More Arsenal. They've been linked with Everton's Amadou Onayna.
2: You a fan, Robbo? Well, it obviously says that Arteta, going back to our previous conversation, that he's not happy with Rice, uh, Havertz and Odegaard. So he wants another more dynamic player in there that that probably hasn't got the passing ability of Havertz and hasn't got the passing ability of Odegaard, but is more of an up-and-down player. Great energy, can close people down, uh, can make forward runs, uh, scores the odd goal here and there. So again, I think he could play alongside Rice and Odegaard play as almost as the as the number ten. I think that's how he wants to go, Arteta. And Anana is as good as anybody in the Premier League at different he's,
0: he's tremendous. What I would imagine though is I know Everton have a ton of issues, mm. but you they would want an arm for a an arm and electric oh, yeah. and like something close to Rice to Declan Rice money. Yeah. And I don't think Arsenal are prepared to spend that.
2: That's why they want Thomas Partey fit and ready, ready to go. for go. Fiorentina are also through to the Coppa Italia semi-final, beating Bologna on penalties. Gab, you like both these managers, don't you? Vincenzo Italiano and Thiago Motta. Yeah, I really like them. I really
0: like the way they play football. They play very attacking football. It's not going to be for everyone. Okay, that said, this game obviously finished nil nil, but um, <laughs> not a good but example. No, but they're very modern managers. They're very positive. They're very positive managers who who show you that hey, I don't need massive names, massive salaries to create chances, you know, some of them have very good individual players obviously Nico Gonzalez for uh, for Fiorentina and Zerxe, and who's come up really big for Bologna. So
2: could one of these be the new De Zerbi?
0: Um, possibly, I mean Thiago Malta, I think his next club is going to be a big club, not necessarily in Italy obviously he's got the pedigree having been at Barcelona and at Paris Saint-Germain as a player, I think he was at Paris Saint-Germain as a youth coach as well yep. if I'm not mistaken, so um, I think these are two guys to keep your eyes on Leo Bonucci's nightmare at Union Berlin is over, Robbo. He's on his way to Fenerbahce as well. What's it like when a ball-playing centre-half gets older? What does he need to do?
2: He needs to read the game a lot better. Um, It's never been his problem. It's never been his problem. If If you're losing pace and you're losing physicality, being a defender, it's always going to be a problem. People are going to play on that, you know. The one player that hasn't found that is Thiago Silva because he's still got that little bit of athleticism. Banucci was never a great athlete. Now as he's getting older, it's even worse. So teams are going to say stick it in behind him, play on him, uh, press him when he's got the ball because he's not going to be able to wriggle out of situations. So it's very difficult for him. He's got to be a fairly good sight. That's, that's the problem. Are Fenerbahce going to be uh, able to dominate the game? Probably in most games they play, yes. So he can, he can, he can be a decent player. And I think he needs to play in a back three as well. Yes. But so he's got a bit more cover. Yeah. Now, Mark, Over, uh, overmar's one-year ban from football has been extended worldwide, Gab. It was inevitable, right?
0: Yeah, like this always happens mm. when an FA uh, suspends uh, uh, a, a player or a mm. coach for whatever reason. Um, they write to FIFA and say, hey, make this worldwide. Otherwise, we're mm. taking the mickey here. And then FIFA almost always... Extended worldwide. It was inevitable for those who, who don't remember He sent highly inappropriate messages to to female employees uh, You can't you can't you can't have that and no. hopefully He's contrite and he's learned his lesson and, and you know I don't I I'm never averse to giving second chances to hmm. people who are found guilty and admit their, their mistakes yeah. and and I'm assuming It's gonna happen here More moves in the Premier League to Dortmund Ian Matson, who's a player. I really like He's going there on loan from Chelsea. Um, Rubbo, he he was uh, an attacking fullback yep. at Burnley last year. He did really, really well. Yep. Uh, Pochettino saw him, maybe because he's little, yep. saw him as a winger. Didn't get much playing time. Is this the right place for him, or do we still have the same problem? They have a million wingers already. They've added Sancho, and
2: now they've added him too. Well, if you're looking at him as a, a left-back Sabaini is the left back for Dortmund. Rierson can play there as well, so he's uh, sometimes they play with a back three, sometimes they play with a back two. So they need uh, a left sided player that can get forward. He's certainly a good fit. He's just got to make sure he gets in the team and plays regular football. That might be more difficult to, than, than said. So you you you, so you reckon maybe he'll go back to playing left back? I think he might go back to to playing as a left
0: back because I, he's got lots of attacking left. I think right. that makes a lot more sense. And yeah. he's and he's different. I mean, Rierson doesn't give you anything going forward, but Sabaini gives you a lot more but hasn't
2: been pulling up trees no. that's coming over either uh, has made lots of mistakes so maybe that, that's a good move for him now the times report that john textor is ready to sell his 45 percent uh, share in crystal palace he's apparently angry that he doesn't get more of a saying club affairs and angry at steve parish for voting a ban on transfers between related clubs tell me more yes
0: yeah, so this is a story of the times so obviously Jules and I, john textor is one of our favorites um so he owns a bunch of clubs. He owns uh, Lyon, famously, in, in France. He owns uh, Botafogo in, um, in Brazil. Uh, he owns a club in Portugal as well, I think. Uh, sorry, don't... Is he, oh, it Mollenbeek and Belgium? Anyway, whatever. He owns yeah. some other rando club. He is one of those multi-club ownership is the way forward, guys. Uh, this is what I never understood is he he's the biggest individual shareholder. In Crystal Palace. Um, you still have Harris and Blitzer um, involved there. You still have Steve Parrish, who also has mm-hmm. a big chunk. And yet he doesn't get to run Palace. And I think this really annoys which to me suggests why did you why yeah. that why did you put this money in if you weren't going to be in charge? It seems to make no sense to me. And obviously, look, Steve Parrish isn't Texter. Parish is going to do what's good for parish and what he cares about and what's what he thinks is good for palace and a ban on transfers between related clubs to steve parish makes a lot of sense ultimately that ban didn't go through um they didn't get they didn't have enough votes but i find it extraordinary that texter would be able to go to parish and say oh steve you need to do what i say parish says hey wait." Who's running the club? Me yeah. or you? It's me. Yeah. And I'm going to do what's best for Crystal Palace. So while I'm often critical of Steve Parish on this occasion, I am 100% Team Parrish. Jack Heiser, Franz Beckenbauer, passed away on
2: Monday, aged 78. Robbo, he was one of the giants of the game. Absolutely. Uh, I was very young when he was at his um, pomp. But he was a player that, uh, at the time I was playing as a sweeper for the England youth team and he was the player that everybody looked to if you were a centre-back that wanted to come out with the ball he was majestic I mean before that he was a midfield player that was dynamic When in the 66 World Cup in the 70 World Cup it was, in, it was after that that he became the sweeper and made that position his own people followed what he did he could play the ball with the outside of his boot he was like a Rolls Royce when he came out with the ball and obviously a good character and he won so many tournaments a great player uh, great, uh, a great defender but also a great footballer when he came out with the ball and then after that he went yeah into
0: coaching and all he did was take germany to the 86 world cup yeah. final where they were beaten by the magic of diego armando maradona and then in 1990 they actually won it as well and that was his only coaching experience at that point yeah and afterwards i got, I got the sense he didn't really enjoy no. the day-to-day of coaching um but he became an executive at uh at Bayern. and then later came the bits that mm. perhaps tarnish his footballing legacy mm. a little bit um he had a bunch of issues with with FIFA uh, after becoming a member of the FIFA Executive Con- com, uh, Council. He was accused of corruption. That case was never. That case had basically expired because the statute of limitations expired in 2021, I think. It it leaves you a little bit wanting, what wondering what what might have been, right? Yeah. Um. I, I my memory of Beckenbauer as a player is pretty much zero. Although I want to throw in the fact that he was also very relevant in the US because he joined the New York Cosmos, played with Belay and Giorgio Quinali and Carlos Alberto and won won three titles in in four years,
2: right? Uh, Back when, you know, North American. And he still came back to the Bundesliga after that and played for Hamburg. And won the title again. He had a lot of injuries that season. It was his final season, I think. think 28 Um, 28 games in that
0: season. But what, what what struck me about him, the Beckenbauer... I knew which was the post was the back of the football, the FIFA yeah. Um, at the 2006 World Cup. He was the head of the organizing committee. Oh, this is another thing which later got him into a bit of trouble, but he would, he went to every game and we fly to every game by helicopter. And I remember I was, I think it was at the Westfalen in, in, in Dortmund um, for the Argentina with a very young Leo Messi, uh, Serbia game and the helicopter arrives. The car park, like right next to where we were. This is like an hour and a half before kickoff, and he gets out and he starts shaking, smiling, and shaking everybody's hand. But it's like random, like car park attendants, like bin men, you know, Serbian fans who are like, "Oh, wait, that's Beckenbauer!" Like he he really was had this charisma, had this mm. leadership, um, and I think that was a huge part of why he was a successful, mm. why he succeeded as,
2: as Germany manager. Mm. And that was a big part of, of his success. Of the and they also game. say he led... Uh, Helmut Schoen was the manager in 1974 when they won the World Cup, but it wasn't a, a, a great tournament for them in terms of the way they played. No, they lost to East Germany. They lost to East Germany, but people say that it was Beckenbauer that eventually took over the team because it was not going the way they wanted to and Helmut Schoen... They was were quite- a goal down in the final against uh,
0: Johan Kreif's Clockwork Orange. Yeah. No, I, I think that charisma that that side of it the other thing is it's a tough cookie mm. um the greatest game world cup game ever played uh, according to fifa uh, uh, which it, italy won of course oh yeah they did they, 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 they yeah, didn't four if three. it were germany 4-3 in extra time 1970 world cup semi-final which would have put him in a collision course with ballet in the final and by the way and i say this now and i hope the italian gods will break me down i think west germany i don't know anybody had a prayer to beat them mm. 1970 team but west germany would have had a much better shot than than italy did uh, in the final, I think, but he played from like minute 70 until the end of extra time with his arm in a sling to yep. to his side he's, he's, he's fractured his collarbone. Yeah, he fractured, I mean he is He
2: was a one tough cookie as well Ah, yeah. uh, Farewell, yeah, Kaiser. Two years ago, Danny Alves was playing for Barcelona Now he's in a prison awaiting trial for rape and his bank accounts have been frozen in a separate matter involving missed uh, Miss child support payments Neymar is apparently paying his bills. Is that true, Gabe? Ah, uh, that's what's that. That's what's been reported. Um, it's sad for Dani
0: Alves. I think it's sadder still for the victims um, in in what happened. Uh, it's a very ugly story. She owes two and a half million in child support to his former partner um, and also former agent. So the Brazilian court has frozen his funds in one case, and in the other one, he needs to mount legal defense for his case he says the incident where he's accused of rape was consensual um but he can't afford a lawyer uh it's 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 crazy how quickly things have unraveled and you know i I don't think you can fault Neymar for saying everybody deserves to have legal representation right so I, i got no issue with Neymar doing this bravo this brings us to uh uh to an end thank you so
2: much As always, Gab, it's been a pleasure working with
0: you. Um, We're going to be back on Monday, avec Jules, of course. Uh, Until then, love the game. Love your neighbour. Love yourself.